TalkZone.com. Now, TalkZone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. And we do welcome you to the Two Guys at a Mic Show. Thanks for joining us here. Beautiful Tuesday in the fine city of Chicago where our TalkZone.com corporate offices are emanating from. It is the coach. That would be me flying solo today. The big dog is off today, so the co-pilot seat is open at your disposal, at your perusal. I'm not sure what perusal means, but uh, it sounds like it might fit in this particular application. David Olson, our producer today, lots of sports to talk about. And, of course, as per usual, we will jump off the sports page, too. Coming up in a little bit, we go to the Brookfield Zoo in an ongoing controversy from the beautiful Brookfield Zoo in Chicago. We are also uh, expecting slash hoping for a call from new Kansas City Royals pregame, postgame voice. And our ex-co-host here, Mark Karma, will talk a little baseball. All of a sudden, the Kansas City Royals, the low-budget team, What are the hotter teams in baseball? They don't have many positive moments, so we thought in a brief positive period we'd give Mark a call before they lose five in a row and Carmen goes back in complete depression. And if you know Mark, if you know my good host, uh, my good ex-co-host, I should say, it doesn't take too much to get him back in a good depression. A good depression is good for all of us, though. You know, everybody's got to go through a few depressing moments. Makes the sunshine, makes the positive moments feel that much better. Our phone number, if you want to join in, again, Coach Flying Solo today, you can be the co-host, talk some sports and more. We'll throw out some of the topics here in a second, but our phone number, 888-463-6748. Again, 888-463-6748. And you can always email us at mike2guysaol.com. M-I-C in the number two, mike2guysaol.com. Here in baseball yesterday in Chicago, uh, the Cubs did win a game. They actually got a big hit. They actually got quality bullpen work from Sean Marshall and a little bit on the backside from Carlos Marmol and, uh, and won two in a row. Arrow pointing up for the Chicago Cubs. Uncle Lou sleeping well for a couple nights in a row. It's a nice change of pace. White Sox had a rain out in Detroit. We kind of dodged the rain yesterday, uh, from what we heard in our, from our good friends up in Detroit. Torrential downpours up there. So Ozzie Gian and company get a little, uh, extra day of rest, not, Necessarily a bad thing after losing two out of three to the Kansas City Royals. Some interesting uh, baseball games played outside of the city of Chicago yesterday. We'll do that coming up in a little bit. Our daily segment, the MLB recap. We had NBA basketball yesterday, NHL hockey uh, coming up tonight. NH, uh, NBA yesterday, Phoenix getting beaten by the L.A. Lakers. Kobe Bryant going off once again for a very smooth, very effortless 32 points. It's nice when you can do that. Lamar Odom, 19 points, 19 rebounds. He was a ball hog, a absolute ball hog on the boards. And I always tell the kids I coach, David Olson, there is, you know, you get some kids that are, they hog the ball, right? They like to be in the limelight. Basketball might be in some other sports too. Basketball is probably one of the easier ones to hog the ball. I always tell the kids I coach in basketball, there is one area of the game that you can be a ball hog all you want and your teammates will not mind. And that area is rebounding. You want to be a ball hog on rebounding? You want to go up and grab every rebound like it's mine? Your teammates will say, yes, sir, thank you, ma'am. Or sir. 
You can call you anything you want if you get 19 rebounds. Lamar Autumn. 19 boards, 19 rebounds. You want to be a ball hog in sports, folks? When that shot is up on the backboards, on the glass, you can be a ball hog all you want. A little lesson from your friendly neighborhood coach. Thank you very much. 888-463-6748, the phone number. I didn't see the game, but apparently uh, L.A. all over Phoenix. Only the first of a uh, seven-game series, potentially seven-game series. NHL is a little bit weird. I've heard this on some other shows, so it's not new argument. It's not new controversy. But I have to chime in, uh, and often I am in disagreement with my, and when I say fellow sports media brethren, they're not really fellow sports media brethren because nobody in the sports media even knows that I exist. And I'm not really a media guy. I don't go to the games. I don't have the passes. I don't go to the locker rooms. Uh, not particularly interested in do. I love doing the show. The one-hour show here on the Internet, I thoroughly enjoy doing it, love sports, but I have no interest in being part of the media. Thank you very much. Uh, so forget the fellow sports media brother, but I heard some of the talking heads, if you will, talking about it on TV and on radio, and for a rare moment in time, I agree with them. And it's about the NHL hockey playoffs. Here it is, your, your prime time of the year when you're trying to get this sport to the next level, and it needs to get to the next level so it can get off the versus channel quite frankly. It's a great sport. I mean, hockey is an awesome sport. You just need people to try it. It's like a brand new food. It's like a brand new restaurant. If you can get it to try it once, they might come back. Not everybody, but you'll get a certain percentage, and that's the way you increase your um, activity. David, you might want to tell our marketing people, same thing with our show. Get the word out. People listen. Our studies show that of 100 people that actually hear the show, two will actually come back to it. Not sure if I particularly like that study, but that's what it says. But, you know, two out of 100. So if we get 1,000, we'll pick up, uh, what is that, like 10 listeners each and every week. Small steps. Baby steps, my friend, baby steps. But, uh, yeah, they're playing both games on the same night in hockey. So the Final Four, the NHL playoff, the championship series, you had a Blackhawks game on Sunday at 2.30, and then the Canadians played the Flyers in the evening. Okay. Then yesterday you had a day off of hockey. Not a lot of sports going on. Would have been a great day. I, for one, uh, flipping around channels yesterday. I might have gone off HBO's The Cat House. Not a bad program, by the way. But I might have gone off that if I knew Montreal and Philadelphia were playing. Eh? I might not have had to go to Cinemax if I knew the NHL playoffs were starting, championship series. But open night. Nothing going on. What are you going to watch? Another rerun of Chuck? That's what was going on at our particular house. Now, tonight... The Blackhawks are back and actually are playing a 9 o'clock game, and you got the Canadians and the Flyers playing at 6 o'clock. Back-to-back games. I would love to know from uh, Commissioner Gary Bettman what the theory is behind that. I'm assuming there is a theory, a thought process is. But um, until further convinced, it's sort of like the Highland Park girls basketball situation with the Arizona and the whole immigration thing. Unless there's some things we don't know about, I need to hear a stronger argument. Because every argument that I've heard presented by the board or by the school district hasn't been strong enough. I mean, is there something I'm missing? Send the kids out there. Let them play basketball. Not that big a deal. Admit you made a mistake. Maybe there's more to it. Same thing with the NHL decision. It seems so obvious. Instead of two games in one night, how many fans, you know, you're trying to get fans to check out the sport. Instead of two games in one night, I don't know if we can all handle five and a half, six hours of hockey, but we can handle a couple hours per day. 
Yesterday would have been a great day to have it on tomorrow, but they got two games on tonight. Again, there maybe there's some reasoning behind it. We got some hockey fans out there. Gary Bettman, if you're listening, Gary, give us a call. Who knows? Gary Bettman might be listening. Maybe it's his, Mrs. Bettman, because we are big with the female fans. Our show, by the way, we found our research. We have incredible research on the show because we're so curious about our listeners. We appear to be a sports show that appeals to the non-sports fan, which is outstanding. And I'm proud of that, very, very proud of that. Again, we are uh, possibly the number one ranked sports show for fans that don't actually enjoy sports. Now, the problem, Dave, on the other side of it is, unfortunately for the people that do enjoy sports, <laughs> our rankings are not quite as high. So if we could, it's like my dad said, with rich and the rich and the poor, the idea is you don't want to beat down and bring down the, the wealthy. What you want to do is to bring up the poor, bring up the bottom without bringing down the top. So maybe we can find a way to, uh, you know, we don't want to destroy our non-sports fan listening base, but possibly a few sports fans could join us. <laughs> I have no idea what I'm yeah, talking well, about. We'll have to debate that in the post-show meeting, figure out the best way to do that. Yeah. Better be a short debate because typically our post-show meeting is like about 90 seconds. You're busy getting the next show cranked up, the beauty pageant show. Or, hey, did I hear our commander-in-chief, Chris Whitting, uh, actually live doing a uh, talk show yesterday? Uh, possibly. He's one of the hosts of InfoTrack. Ah. Yeah. InfoTrack. InfoTrack, yeah. Our boss. Yes. The GM getting out from behind the uh, the four-walled glass interior of his luxurious studio and actually going on the mic. See? That's what I like about the talk zone. He's actually got his own microphone that he brings into the studio when he does the interview. Oh, well, we're not good enough for him or what? Are you serious? So I, He's I, got his I, own I am, mic? I am dead serious. Oh, man, yeah. that is that is upper crust gone a couple steps too far. How about you? going to have a show one of these days? Not likely. Come on. David Olson behind the seat. You, with all the shows that we do here on the talk zone, and folks, if you just listen to this show, you do need to, even if you don't listen to each and every one of the shows, go to the program schedule on the talkzone.com website just to see the variety of shows. And I got to believe, David, if you, from all the different shows you work, if you took the highlights or more entertainingly, the lowlights, you could probably put a pretty good 30 minute show together. Probably a pretty good three hour show. Bloopers from the talkzone.com. That might be a new CD I've got out there. All right. Uh, again, 888-463-674. If we've got any hockey fans out there who can explain that uh, to me, there's got to be, I mean, I'm assuming it's a strategic decision. It's not like they they had to put two games on the same night. I'm assuming. Maybe wrong. So Gary Bettman, Mrs. Bettman, or any members of the uh, immediate or not so immediate family, of Commissioner Gary Bettman, feel free to give us a call, 888 Big news here in Chicago. Cubs win! Cubs win! Cubs win! And they get a big hit of Ramos Ramirez. Get it done! 11th inning? 10th inning? I was getting sleepy with that point. I think it was the 11th inning. Might have been the 10th. Who cares? Aramis Ramirez, two-run blast. And he knew at the moment he hit it, too. So the Cubs' best hitter. Is coming out of his slump. A couple of hits the day before. He got a base hit and an RBI early. Two-run clutch home run. They get a Ramos Ramirez going. And the rest of the guys keep hitting the ball like they are. That's the key. That's the key because uh, now that you're getting your best hitter going, Derek Lee maybe, okay, uh, you know, is Kosuke Fukudome going to continue to hit in the 300? Is Alfonso Soriano going to continue to hit in the 300? Is Ryan Thurio? Going to continue to hit in the 300s. If you can keep those guys doing what they're doing. And all of a sudden you get a Ramos Ramirez back. And Derek Lee back. Watch out. St. Louis Cardinals, Cincinnati Reds, and the rest of you above the Cubs. Look out. Here we come. 
Now, sometimes that's not as easy. A lot of times when the complementary players have been uh, in a bit of a hot streak carrying the stronger players, very often the stronger players get hot, and then the complementary players come to back to earth. That's exactly why they call them complementary players. We will see. But a big two-run homer by uh, Aramis Ramirez. 11th inning. Cubs needed that psychological blast two games in a row for a team that has been fighting mediocrity. And I'll tell you another thing. Getting to watch him, I didn't want to jump on the bandwagon too quick, although you do get first impressions. But uh, now that I have gone beyond first impression, gone beyond second impression, you know, if it was a female, I'm ready to take this guy out. And I'm talking about the Cub rookie shortstop, Starlin Castro. The more you watch him, and again, after, you know, a couple of games, I didn't want to get too excited, but, you know, I was pretty impressed with the guy. I watched him play like four, five, six games. Now, there is a moxie about him. There is a style about him. There is a confidence that absolutely belies his 20 years of age. Barely 20, by the way. Barely 20. And I don't want to build this guy up too much. You don't want to get, uh, you know, super high expectations. But the best way I can put it right now is this is not going to be Felix P.A. This is not going to be Kevin Ory. This is not going to be Corey P- Patterson. Or, uh, and I think my next guest about to join us could probably give me about 10 or 15 more high prospect, but this guy's the real deal. He's going to be fun to watch in Chicago. Uh, and again, I don't want to put superstar status on it's way down the road. But I'm just going to say he is going to be fun to watch. He's a quality ball player and he's got a, it's not just his ability, it's his style. It's his style. All right, real quick, we want to go out to the phone lines here. Our producers able to get a hold of one of the hardest working men in Kansas City. Which is like saying he's one of the top chess players in the country of Canada. It is Mark Carmen, our ex-co-host, joining us. Mark, how are you? This is not going to be Heathrop Choi. This is not going to be Gary Scott. This is not <laughs> going to be... We could keep on going. This is not going to be Jerome Walton. I apologize for the echo, Coach. I'm uh, walking out in the fine Kansas City outdoors so we can get a great cell signal and I can yeah. uh, talk as loudly as I would like. I have now made the move, and I'm standing on a nice plate of grass so we can... Is it um, conversation? I read Mark Pryor's making a comeback. Is it wrong to put Mark Pryor in that same category? Uh, it, it would yes, it would be wrong. Okay. But, uh, but on some level, but then again, extremely right on another because it was uh, you know they had maybe the greatest pitcher in the history of the game for one year, <laughs> and then they blew it by pitching him into the ground. And um, that's my opinion. And of course, some people think that Pryor was on the juice or whatever else was going on. But yes, he, he would fall into that category, coach. Mm-hmm. But by, did you read the article? Mark Pryor injured his shoulder, took a line drive off the shoulder, pitching batting practice to a junior high school team. Well, the only article I read is that Mark Pryor was uh, pitching to a uh, undisclosed baseball team that his agent said he is planning one more comeback. I was not aware it was a junior high team. Well, there was an article in the. Um... Apologize for the lawnmower coming by here right now. Outstanding <laughs> maintenance man, doing a good job here on the front lawn of Extend Sports Radio in Kansas City. Really, uh, uh, you know, a, a nice mower there doesn't get just get the good good good, good cut. But uh, no, there was a, I believe David Kaplan had a little tip in a, in around town today, coach. Around town, uh, the smallest uh, article. Uh, that's written every day in the Chicago Tribune, but yet has two people writing it in uh, Mr. Kaplan and Mr. Fred Mitchell. They combine on that uh, piece. It's, a, it's an amazing accomplishment. <laughs> but uh, 
my point, my point is, Coach, that uh, they had a little tidbit that Pryor injured his shoulder throwing batting practice and yep. an undisclosed team yes. a line shot and uh, nailed him in the shoulder. And Pryor was shut down for three weeks from throwing. I don't know exactly who shut him down because he's not on an actual team, mm-hmm. but uh, he was shut down. Yes, I am looking at the uh, fine picture of David Camp putting the mustachioed Fred Mitchell second. Best, uh, our listeners, by the way, voted second best mustache in Chicago. Fred Mitchell right behind Blackhawk head coach Joel Keenville. But I'm looking at that article right now. Yeah, it's almost, uh, you know, I, I didn't know it was a junior high team that actually. Well, I, 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 I probably am making a bad joke. And it, yes. Maybe it was an actual high school team. Okay. But uh, how far the mighty have fallen, coach? Uh, Mark Pryor yep. was throwing beach balls up in the last time he was in the majors. And, yeah. Well, um, I mean, you should be, uh, you probably could sympathize with it, Mark, because during your storied and long radio career here in Chicago, you were shut down by many radio producers more than, more than a few times. It has been a rough career, Coach, and we always <laughs> seem to find our way there in our talks, and I appreciate you bringing it up, the ups and downs. It uh, hasn't been easy for me, along with many others in the, in the media world, but like you've always told me, Coach, you just keep fighting. You try to get one day better. You pop out of bed in the morning and say, how can I improve myself? And that's what I've done, and that's how I've achieved this lofty position at Success Sports Radio in Kansas City. It's great to be with you again this morning. He is the ex-co-host here on the show, longtime Chicago guy, sports producer for the Sports Central Show on WGN. Mark Carmen, he's now out in Kansas City doing some pre and post for the Kansas City Sports Station out there. Mark, I apologize because we tried to get a hold of you on Friday. We're going to do a little uh, Sox, Kansas City Royals scintillating back and forth talk. Everything was all set. The only problem was apparently our fine production department gave you the wrong phone number to call in. Yeah, I did call that number probably 13,000 times, made every effort possible. Coach, of course, uh, since I was driving, I didn't want to pull over and uh, <laughs> use the BlackBerry to, to Google up a talk zone and possibly get the correct phone number. <laughs> I just continued to dial the wrong phone number, which, uh, you know, maybe that should send me into another couple weeks of therapy. Because uh, you continue to bang your head against the wall, eventually you got to figure out the wall's not going to give and the head's going to hurt. But uh, you know we're here today, and I think it's important for us to look forward and we can recap that series, Coach. Of course, the Royals did take two out of three. Uh, Ozzie Guillen, not with myself, but uh, with the normal pregame host Robert <laughs> Ford. Uh, they did do an interview on Friday. And uh, Guillen said to Ford, he said, you know, I don't want to do this. And he said, well, we can just talk about your ball club real quick. And Guillen said, why do we want to talk about them? They're horse. And you can, uh, I'm not going to use the uh, the uh, final word there because that wouldn't be good on two guys in a mic. But Ozzy not exactly thrilled with how his club was playing or is playing or the talent level, whatever you want to put it. I did talk to Paul Knurko on Saturday, which was a game that the Royals gift-wrapped and, and gave to uh the White Sox, and, you know, you staying positive as, as uh, you, you know, you got to do at this point in the season. But uh, Juan Pierre did turn me down for an interview. He was very busy. There was a horde of zero media around him. But uh, Pierre needed to take a shower and make it to the bus, so he would not talk to me. But uh, still a great man, and I appreciate his game. He made a nice diving catch in left field. Kansas City Royals playing some uh, pretty solid baseball. They won again yesterday in a thriller. Ned Yost, now they're... Brand-new manager, three out of four games, and they won uh, yesterday, what, they had bases loaded, and reliever extraordinaire Joe Kim Soria got the final out. So uh, your ball club played a little bit better, Mark. Yeah, they they, uh, they have won uh, four or five, three or four with the Oster, as you mentioned, Coach. And uh, Ned, you know, he left Milwaukee in uh, 
a very odd, less than impressive scenario where in 07 the, the Brewers collapsed and they, they led that division all year and the, and the Cubs ended up taking it by a couple of games. And then in 08 uh, he collapsed again down the stretch and was fired 150 games into the season. Very rare that you see that move, uh, something that you know only you would see on like two guys in a mic, a host getting launched with like two weeks left in the show. But uh, they went to Dale's flame. And uh, he guided the Brewers to a 7-5 and record in the final 12, got into the playoffs, and actually did win a playoff game that year, uh, something that the Chicago Cubs were unable to do. But, uh, look, Ned Yost has been impressive so far, Coach. I think you would like him. He's, he's talking about getting one day better. Um, he's talking about just incrementally just building the confidence in the club and creating an environment where guys can come in, feel comfortable, and work and, and gain that mindset, gain that confidence that it takes to win. And, you know, there's some talent coming uh, with the world. Uh, a lot of people here are, are obviously very frustrated because it's been, you know, 10, 15, 25 years since the World Series and, and a long time since they've been competitive. But uh, Dayton Moore is the general manager. He's out of the uh, John Sherrill Braves system. Of course, Yost was a bench coach with, uh, with Bobby Cox for 11 years in Atlanta before he went and managed about 1,000 games with the Brewers, learning, cutting his teeth. So... Uh, there's a philosophy in place. They're building the farm system. They got a lot of power arms. They got a set third baseman at Double A is coming up. So they're trying to build it the right way, and it takes time. I mean, you know, they, they came here. The farm system was nothing. We've heard these these same conversations a million times over with the Chicago Cubs. Oh, the farm system's got nothing. It's going to take some time. But I mean, that's the scenario that they're in here, and they're they're trying to do it the right way. Unlike the Cubs, though, obviously they don't they don't have the ability to go out and spend 150 million uh, to try to you know put a Band-Aid on it, which, you know, the Cubs did, and now, of course, that Band-Aid is, is busted open, and we got Lord, we got problems. So I, I see that Carlos Zimbrano is moving to middle relief now. An odd move, and there's got to be a lot more to it. I was watching the game uh, last night, and both the Cub announcers were surprised because it was a eighth-inning situation when Zimbrano should have been in. Not only did they not bring him in, Mark, he was sitting in the dugout. So the announcers uh-huh. were surmising that maybe Zimbrano was injured, and then Len Casper being the deep thinker that he is, went a second step and said, well, maybe, maybe one of the starters is injured that we haven't been told about and that they're going to need Zambrano to start. But either way, it wasn't out in the bullpen. Little did we know it was neither of those. He has moved uh, further down the bullpen chain, apparently. Right. Well, I'm assuming that they're moving him to middle relief to build his arm strength back up to put him back in the rotation. And maybe Tom Gorzolani, as my guest, will, will go uh, into the bullpen. But, uh, you know, you look at the Chicago National League Ball Club and the division's not running away from with the Cardinals coming back to earth and, you know, Cincinnati surprised a lot of yeah. people and they've got great pitching, but you, know, you can't think that the Reds are going to be on a 100-win team. So the season, you know, all is not lost, but you've got Zimbrano at $18 million who's pitching like he should be in AAA. You've got Aramis Ramirez, who I know he had the walk-off last night, but he's playing like he should be in AAA. And then Derek Lee, who's been very marginal. So there's $18 million. And 15 million, and I know you hate the numbers, coach, and another 13 million. So about 15 million, a third of your payroll that's giving you nothing. And it's just, it's hard to win that way. And forget, even forget the money when your three best players, the guy that you're counting on to put up big time numbers and carry you, when they're giving you basically Zippo, it, it's, uh, that, that's, that's a tough hill to climb. Mm-hmm. But there is a uh, potential upside. I was talking as you were uh, on hold, I believe, about their young shortstop, Starlin Castro. I don't know if you've been able to see him enough, Mark, and again, you don't want to build him up too much, but my comment was there. there's something unique about this kid. Hard to put your finger on it, but he's got a certain style 
that uh, is fun to watch, and I think the guy's going to be a player. Well, I and coach, I did hear it, and I and I did love the comments, and I am optimistic with Starlin, and this is a guy that, uh, you know, from from just like you said, I mean, everybody's talking about uh, he's got that swagger, he's got that belief, and uh, he, he rises to the occasion. I think it's just great from um, from a Cub fan standpoint that here we got a twenty year old in the majors who's playing, and I, I, I don't, you know, don't want to bury the team yet, but I think it, it's pretty. You have to. To walk pretty far out on the flank to think that this is going to be the year for the Cubs. So, a little development with a guy that's going to be here for years to come. Mm-hmm. I think that's uh, that's a beautiful thing, and I, I wish they had more of that. Uh, but really, you know, none of their guys, the Josh Bitters of the world, and uh, these guys, they're not ready to be up here. Starlin's getting the shot, and hopefully, he can hold it down. And you know, Ryan Terrio is not going to be the long-term answer at shortstop. And you know, I, you're not losing anything by taking Mike Fontenot or Jeff Baker out. Those guys aren't going to be here long-term either. So um, I think it will be interesting to see what they do. If they do continue to you know, play under 500 baseball, is, uh, is Derek Lee going to stay here? Is, is, Ar- is Aramis going to stay here? Are they gonna, you know, those are two guys that one can opt out of his contract after the year and the other is a free agent. So, you know, you got Ted Lilly who's coming off the books. So, you know, it's a significant amount of money right there. Uh, you still have the albatross that is Alfonso Soriano, which he is at least hitting the baseball a lot better. But uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how the Ricketts play this. I, I'm, I, I'm a big believer in him, Coach. I love Tom Ricketts. Can I ask you a question, by the way? Long time baseball. You absolutely can. Long time baseball historian Mark Carmen joining us here in the two guys at a mic show. If anybody of our young listeners uh, have any questions uh, or female fans, he's still single and very much eligible at 888. 888- Four six three six seven four eight. Feel free to call up, ask Mark anything. Uh, our bounds are not—we are not bounded by the box of sports, by the way. Triple eight four six three was the uh, number that I was calling the other day. Maybe I was doing six three four eight. I'm not exactly sure, but well, make sure uh, you dial triple eight four six three sixty seven forty eight. What question do you have for me, Carm? My question is, Coach. There's a lot of hubbub on uh, the Big Ten expansion, and you're a guy that is a is an old school guy. You know you. You still uh, are fighting the internet. You have no idea how to open up a search engine. You, even though you are on Twitter, and uh, you have followed someone, you don't really know what it does. You're you're on Facebook, but you you, you know you're not a guy that writes on a lot of walls. How do you feel about a Missouri coming in and a Nebraska coming in, a Rutgers? All of a sudden, this could be 16 teams. The the conference split up in two. Northwestern will probably play Michigan once every seven years. Uh, how do you feel about the Big Ten expansion? This is all about the dollars. I'm guessing that you're puking in your cereal. Well, I'm not going to respond now, but you can read about it on my Facebook page. And uh, I am, <laughs> after the show today, me and Dave Olson are going to spend a couple of quality hours trying to open up my search engine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to meet you halfway. I'm okay with the expansion. But two things I would not be thrilled about. 16 teams? No, no, no. Just add one team and go to 12. I'm okay with that. And I don't know why, but Rutgers and Pittsburgh doesn't do it for me. Nebraska and Missouri does. Maybe it's the Midwest thing. I think of the Big Ten as the Midwest. So I'm going to meet you halfway. I'm okay with expansion a little bit. 16 would be too much. And I would prefer, yeah, Missouri? Perfect fit. Even in Nebraska, Rutgers in the Big Ten Somehow it just doesn't uh, doesn't fit. What would you say then to the Missouri fans down here in Big Twelve country, coach, who are going to you know the rivalry with Kansas is never going to be the same. They're going to be 
They won't be conference foes anymore. That's, That's a huge I, rivalry down here. My response would be very easy. Basketball season. Go ahead. Uh, my response would be stay in the Big 12. I got no problem with that. Okay, so uh, you, but you, but from a Big Ten standpoint, you would still take if, to Missouri. If Missouri came to the Big Ten, I'd be very uh, happy to accept. I think they'd be a perfect fit. But you know, if it's going to be a major problem, I can understand all those arguments you were talking about and those great rivalries. If I were Missouri, I'd stay in the Big Twelve too. But as right. a, as well, a big, they're, they're is coming it, for the money, coach. You know, that Big Ten, uh, which by the way, who knew that the Big Ten uh, network was was pulling in all these dollars? I mean, I was last curious. Time I, last time I checked, I was on there doing color commentary. I thought they were hurting for money. Yeah, I was curious about that too. I'm reading all the millions of dollars the Big Ten Network is bringing in. I'm like, it's a nice network, it's a nice channel, but are that many people watching it? Our sponsor, where is all the money coming from? Well, apparently, uh, you know, all the uh, cable networks feel like they have to have it, and the Big Ten Network at seventy cents for every household. And when you open up a Missouri, uh, you know, the state of Missouri, you know, all the, all the households in Missouri are going to have mm-hmm. to have a Time Warner cable down here, um, you know, DirecTV, what have you. You're talking about, uh, I guess, $18 million estimated a year going to the Big Ten, of which Missouri will take 12. So I'm not a math major, but I believe that 18 minus 12 is 6, and $6 million, I mean, I, I once again, not a math major, but looking at my salary, that seems like quite a lot of money. Uh, so I, I think that, you know, it seems like a very logical financial decision. On the plus side, by the way, having to do with the Big Ten Network, I was a finally, finally to, able to get a up close and personal look. I didn't touch it, but I got within touching distance of, uh, broadcaster, sportscaster Tim Doyle's hair at a high school basketball game. Tim Doyle, a very, very good-looking man. There's yep. not a girl on the planet that doesn't look at Tim Doyle and think, I want to take his clothes off. Great-looking man, <laughs> Tim Doyle. He does have good hair. He was, he was. Uh, I was doing the high school broadcast of a high school all-star game. He was uh, judging the pregame slam dunk contest. So I did sneak behind him and caught a whiff. And as far as I could tell from my olfactory senses, no gel in that hair, Carmen. I was shocked. Any uh, high school talent you'd like to report for the Mahasas coach and you think it's going to have a major impact next year that you uh, witness in this game? If you're a Northern Illinois fan, I hope I get the kid's name right from Foreman High School, Michael McKeever. He was very impressed. Their number one player, uh, McCall, is going to St. Louis. But their number two players, kid from Foreman High School, he stood out. You know me, I'm a basketball aficionado. The two of us have watched games together. Something about this kid. Keep an eye on him, I think. That he's going to Northern Illinois, I believe the last name McKeever, but uh, he was impressive. But uh, you know, no other super, you know, an all-star. Nobody plays defense, so how can you tell? Right, right, right. Yeah, it, it reminds me of watching you at a men's recreational basketball game. A lot of similarities. Which, which by the way, coach, you'll be very sad to learn that uh, I did rip up my ankle playing oh! in a Saturday oh! morning uh, extravaganza in Olathe, Kansas. And let me tell you something, coach. I have played. In many games that I would consider white basketball, <laughs> this game was the whitest of the white of the white. I mean, these guys had not seen the sun. There were more jump shots being fired almost from a, uh, a set position. And uh, I was out there, and I uh, all of a sudden I was like, uh, my athletic <laughs> talents, which uh, have, have fallen to marginal, were back up to exceptional because these guys were slow as a pig, but... After I stole one ball, anticipating going across the lane like the incredible defender that I am that you never give credit for, uh, Big Bob stuck out his foot, 
I landed on it, and uh, it's been very painful ever since. Wow. thought you'd want to know that. Torn ligaments, or uh, do we have a prognosis yet? We Well, you know, unfortunately, Coach, uh, first two months down here, did not know that uh, health insurance was not provided to me in the job. <laughs> so I've gone with a uh, self, self-medication self of uh, an incredible amount of Miller High Life and Heineken <laughs> and uh, some ice. And uh, I had one guy pound on the foot at the actual uh, health club there who was a physical therapist. He mm-hmm. said, it, it was broken. Me hitting your foot this way, you'd be screaming in agony. So uh, it's not broken. So okay. I'm going to believe him on that diagnosis. And uh, But I do have a significant black and blue situation going on. So I believe that I did probably get a ligament or two in there. I'm almost so afraid they are. And uh, getting as many women to possibly rub it as possible, which, of course, has been a very challenging act and has not been that successful but uh, that's what i'm hoping for yeah, don't sell yourself short i've seen your ankles you have a nice pair of uh ankles <laughs> and your calf muscles not bad as you move up the hamstrings start to thin out a little bit but uh you know you got to work with your strengths as females tend to do as well uh a quick question for you now that you're working in kansas city i want to mm-hmm. present a this is a you know way down the road uh quandary here but it, 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 and i do know your heart has been and probably always will be with the Chicago Cubs. But let's say your Kansas City Royals get out a run and they make it to a championship game, God forbid, make it to the World Series, take on our Chicago Cubs. you got the Royals who you work for, who you followed all season long, going up against the Cubs, who you grew up with, who your heart still lies with. It almost reminds me when I was a student at the U of I, Illinois, and Illinois right. would play Northwestern. And I grew up near Northwestern. My dad used to take me to the game. And I was a student sitting in the middle of the Illinois section as a student in Block I, West Block I. And I could not help but root inside anyways for the Northwestern Wildcats. What would happen if the Royals, the team you work for now, met the Chicago Cup? Well, this is why, Coach, uh, as we've known each other now for 12-plus years, and despite our numerous differences and your hatred of me and my love of you, this is where we just have that common bond that will never be broken because <laughs> I am that guy that was at the University of Iowa and secretly was rooting for the purple because <laughs> you can't get the Northwestern out of you. And if you yes. think that after one year or two years or even ten years down here, if the Cubs meet the Royals in the World Series, dude, I am rooting for the Cubs all day long. Now, now if you gave me, you told me that I was the play-by-play voice, of the Kansas City Royals, and I was around the team every day, uh, which, of course, is not going to happen, but let's just say hypothetically that it did. Would I root for the Royals? My guess is no. I can't, you can't get it out of you. The Cubs are so ingrained. I mean, I was there in, uh, you know, as a five-year-old watching Thad Bosley mm-hmm. pop up uh, on an 0-2 pitch in the ninth inning in a one-run ball game and going home and weeping on my pillow. You yeah. can't get that out of you. Do you have yum-yum donuts? I mean, Four hot dogs as a, as a ten-year-old going into the ballpark and seeing a Keith Moreland line one to left. Who can? How can you ever get rid of that? <laughs> All right, beautifully said. I got a tear streaking down my right eye. Anybody watching on the webcast, hopefully at high definition, you can see that. Final question for you, Carm. Final question, and uh, I appreciate you're not walking by any more landscaping services. <laughs> yeah. Uh, final question for you, Steve Stone. Your good friend, a compatriot of yours, made an interesting comment. When interviewed on one of the sports radio stations yesterday, he said he thinks uh, when Uncle Lou steps down this year or next year, he thinks that the Cubs are going to make the wrong choice for mm-hmm. a new manager, and they're going to go with the popular decision. I believe the term he used, the groundswell that is 
the Ryan Sandberg fan club and the Ricketts family will choose Ryan Sandberg, but he said they're not going to choose the guy they should, and he said the guy they should go after is New York Yankee manager, ex-Chicago Cub Joe Girardi. Your thoughts real quick on that. I thought it was a pretty interesting take. Well, Coach, I'm going to say two things. Your number one is not going to be a real quick thought because i got a, I got a wax poetic on this one. I hope you don't have any major guests lined up or uh, things to do. Number one, <laughs> uh, Joe Girardi should have been the manager when they hired Lou Pinella going in in 2007. And I know that Girardi wanted the job extremely uh, badly and was interviewed by Cubs Brass at the time. And I love Lou Pinella, by the way. I've enjoyed his presence in Chicago. And, and his press conferences this year, particularly the ones where George Castle uh, asked an annoying <laughs> question, he stares him down, is maybe the most entertaining stuff. I can't get enough. I mean, I'm sitting at my desk in Kansas City laughing hysterically as Castle says, were you, were you happy with the uh, situation with Terrio coming up there? Was I happy about it? Yeah, I was happy about it. Not happy about it now. I love when he goes at Castle. It's the greatest thing I've ever seen. But what kind of baseball are you playing? then. It was, a, you know, they, they went for the quick fix. They went for the uh, trying to win it, make the franchise value go up, let's spend a gazillion dollars, sign Alfonso Soriano, all that type of stuff. Whereas what they should have done is build it the right way with Girardi. Now, the Stones, I saw the comments from Stone, and my first reaction was, how do you know that Joe Girardi's going to opt out of managing the Yankees, who just won a World Series, and most likely, well, at least they're the favorites to win it again this year, that he's going to leave there and come to the Cubs now? I mean, that, that seems pretty uh, pretty outlandish to me that uh, that Girardi's going to come here after he's you know winning World Series in New York, and now the Cubs going to pay him you know over the top of what the Yankees are paying him because Girardi's a businessman too, and that's what they're going to have to do to get him. He's certainly not going to come here for less. So not that they don't have the money, but okay, are, the, are you really going to commit uh, that that type of dollars for the manager? Second of all, and then when you get to Rhino. Um, look. I was never – everybody loved Ryan Sandberg. I, I bet you were a Sandberg guy, Coach, I'm guessing. But for me, like, I always kind of found him to be slightly – just too monotonous for me to love as a player. I'm not saying he wasn't a great player in the Hall of Famer and all that, but here's the guy who never dove and was kind of just – I, I, I don't and, – and certainly was very quiet with the media. Now, all of a sudden, he's going to lead a ball club. He certainly wasn't a vocal leader when he was a player. So now he, uh, to put him in the managerial position, it's just, I, 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 it's a long reach for me to believe that Ryan Sandberg can do it. I like either one of them. I mean, to me, it would be a cake or cake with ice cream situation that the Cubs ever do win in our lifetime, Mark. We know it would be a phenomenal celebration first time. It would be phenomenal and like your first time off the field. You want your first time on the field to be special and to me. Having an ex-Cub, Ryan Sandberg, managing the team, or a great guy and another ex-Cub and a local guy who played at Northwestern, Joe Girardi, managing the Cub when they finally win it, to me, Mark, pardon the expression, it would make that first time that much more special. I don't I don't disagree with you there, Coach. I'd love to look. If Rhino got it, I'd be rooting for him big time. Yep. I'm just not so sure he can do it. And Girardi, I love Yep. That guy's that guy's a leader. Always has been. Mm-hmm. You know, how many catchers do you have in baseball who are managers? Mike Social, one of the best managers in the game. So, I, and Girardi, you know, he, he did great with the Marlins. He, he helped build that club, and then he, you know, he's taking the team. So he's been on both sides. He's worked for a team that had no money, and now he's been there with the Yankees and winning baseball games. Of course, if, if I the, think, coach, if you were in the dugout for the New York Yankees, they'd win it all. Oh, uh, we know that. I think yeah. so. I think I could pull him home. I think my, you know, if I had a good bench coach like uh, Don, is Don Zimmer still alive? <laughs> <laughs> I believe Zimmer is alive, but he's not. 
defense coach for the New York Yankees. I should know who that is. I, I don't. It's definitely not Don Zimmer. I can last, tell you that. The last couple times, Don, he was on the bench, Don Zimmer, but he actually like tipped over and was leading against the uh, actual managers. I wasn't right. sure if Don was still with us, even if he's you know even after he passes away. I'd still like to have Don Zimmer on the bench with me, and I think I could pull the Yankees home. Well, Coach, you know, 1989, <laughs> we'll never forget it. Uh, it's White Smith, uh, Jerome Walton, uh, Rick Rona. I mean, that was a year that, uh, you know, it was just an outstanding, outstanding accomplishment by Zim and the boys. And, uh, you know, who can forget Don Zimmer being thrown to the ground by Pedro Martinez in the 03 playoffs? Was there anything better than Zim tumbling over? That was an absolute classic. All right, Carmen, we appreciate you on short notice. I know our production department had to track you down. Hey, best of luck in KC. How's the uh, the social life? Everything um, ticking along uh, or a little bit slower? Very, then? very interesting. Gotten myself in a slight pickle as I have. Uh, I am uh, dating the assistant uh, manager of the building that I live in, which is a very illegal thing. <laughs> Uh, her job is on the line. Uh, my stay in the uh, complex is certainly in jeopardy as this thing is starting yeah. to uh, go south. But uh, we are hopeful that uh, I will not get evicted and she won't get fired. And Why? she'll move on to her next catch in life. And uh, I'll find something interesting as well. So uh, Why is that interesting? What, what's illegal about the assistant building supervisor uh, well, dating? The, the, uh, you are not allowed to date residents. This is the rules. And uh, I will not say where I'm living because I don't want to get this fine young lady in trouble <laughs> who's 10 years younger than me and has made my life ever the more richer. I have not been lonely since my uh, stay here, and I will miss her when she goes, and Lord knows she is going to go. But, uh, you know, it, it has been fun, and uh, I feel young again, Coach, but uh, certainly I will go back to my lonely wow. lifestyle sooner than later, and unfortunately I will know I will be very familiar, and I will know what to do. Carmen, you are a sick, sick, semi-deranged individual, and that's quite frankly why I like you so much. All right. Coach, you're the best. Appreciate it. Uh, you have uh, you have uh, free reign to call me whenever. I, I look forward to talking to you at 3 in the morning tonight uh, when you're <laughs> weeping beside your wife. Beautiful. All right. Carmen, thank you so much. Best of luck out in Casey. We'll stay in touch. Okay, Coach. Be good. There, there, there it is. Mark Carmen checking in on two guys and a mic. He was a co-host. Great sports producer at WGN, but... Uh, Blazing the trails, apparently, both on radio and off the court. Wow. Karma. Check it in. All right, we'll take a quick break. Phone lines are open. You can check in, too. 888-463-6748. I want to talk to a building superintendent out there or an assisting building superintendent. Why can't you date one of the people in the building? Conflict of interest, apparently, huh? Yeah, that's why, David, when you sign the apartment lease, read the fine print. Always read the fine print. All right. Quick break. Back in a minute. TalkZone.com.
The lines are open for your calls on Two Guys and a Mic. Call 888-GO-FOR-IT. Once again, here's the coach, John Cohn. All right, we're back on Two Guys and a Mic. Thanks again to uh, Kansas City's finest, uh, second best thing in KC outside of the, the barbecue sauce. Mark Carmen, the pre- and post guy for the KC Royals. Big hockey game tonight. Hawks game two taking on San Jose. Can anti-Niemi, anti-Niomi, whatever the hell his name is, can he stay as hot as he was in game one with 44 saves? Some of the spectacular variety. Ex-general uh, manager Dale Talon, by the way, taking a job with the uh, Florida P- Panthers. He got kind of pushed off to the side with the Chicago Blackhawks. He was still technically part of their administrative team, but he had uh, lost a lot of his power, a lot of his say, Dale Talon. Good guy. A good guy and very responsible for some of the Blackhawk players. He could certainly take pride in some of their success now. But he gets the GM job of the Florida Panthers, so good jo- uh, good luck to Dale. Hey, real quick, we'll get our producer, David Olson, on the line. I know you were uh, disheveled, disgruntled, and somewhat upset. We mentioned earlier in the show, Brookfield Zoo here in Chicago is uh, the number one zoo. It's kind of, I don't know, world famous might be a little bit too much, but it's definitely one of the uh, tourist attractions, one of the great, great zoos that this fine country has to offer. But you had a, a particular issue. Yeah, they opened up a whole new section of the zoo. Uh, it's called the Great Bear Sanctuary, and what mm-hmm. they did is, it's like huge areas for the bears now. They, they used to have them in like you know smallish yeah, like type. Rich, Richard Dent roaming around. Yeah, exactly. Refrigerator exactly. Perry grazing. But no, no, no. What they made it, it was more like a natural habitat and everything okay. like that. Very beautiful, beautiful area of the zoo. Uh, and they also uh, brought in a big herd of bison, which are American buffaloes. Mm-hmm. But one of the one of the food places that they opened up in that area is called the Bison Cafe. Okay, <laughs> one of the little zoo. Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Little, Terrible little, food, by the way. Typically in the zoos. Uh, Brookfield's actually not bad. Okay. It's right. actually not bad. But uh, one of the things that they serve at the Bison Cafe is a bison burger. <laughs> And the issue that I had was that the uh, Bison Cafe is in plain view of the bison pens. <laughs> so if you're standing from a certain perspective, you can see the Bison Cafe and the actual oh, that's live not right. bison. Yeah, That's just not right. Yeah. So you actually could be chowing down on a bison burger. While looking, yeah, you could be and standing there talking yeah. the bison. Now that's just not right. While you're eating, yeah, that's just not right. Yeah. Imagine how the bison might feel. No. Yeah. Eh. <laughs> well, that's, uh, that's why you've got to count the bison every time you go. <laughs> Just to make sure which, exactly, which one you yeah. might be chomping in, huh? Right, right. The Bison Cafe facing the Bison Buffalo exhibit. Exactly. Were they, like, looking at you, giving you, like, were they trying to stare you down? I'd, I'd be very self-conscious eating the burger. Oh, I didn't eat the burger. But... No? You didn't go by? I know that at Wrigley Field now they got a new item, mm-hmm. the Bison Dog. Made out of bison. I, I, no, meat. no, I, no. I've had bison before, and bison is very, very good. Okay. Bison is very, very All good. Right. It, t- it tastes like very lean beef. Mm-hmm. Is what it tastes All like. Right. So, so the moral of the story is, in bison, you would highly suggest it. Just ideally, yeah, just, you don't... just just not in view of the bison. <laughs> It'd be like uh, eating, you know, the hamburgers while you're watching the exactly. Yeah, the get, cows. yeah, yeah. Getting a burger and then going into the petting zoo. Yeah. Oh, look at the cows, honey. Yeah. Same thing. Having chicken fingers and go over to the poultry exhibit. You got it. Oh, you got interesting. it. Interesting. <laughs> hey, do you at least turn your chair around so you don't feel so self-conscious so they're not looking at you? 
Maybe. All right. 888-463-6748, 888-463-6748. Two guys at a mic, talkzone.com. we got the Hawks in San Jose uh, doing battle tonight. Should be a good game. Montreal and Philadelphia will be the preliminary game. They're taking off at uh, 6 o'clock. The Hawks game at 9 o'clock, which will probably be for me. I'll be watching period number three at 5.30 tomorrow morning. Set the tape machine, get my nice cup of coffee, and watch the ball game. Montreal coming off a big six to nothing victory or a six nothing loss to uh, Philadelphia. Philadelphia, I should say, coming off a big six nothing win. They are hot, and we all talked about. Uh, we all know, I should say, we talked about a lot yesterday how Philadelphia came from behind, not only three games to zero in the series, an amazing comeback against Boston, but a game seven on Sunday they were down. Game seven on Friday, I should say, they were down three zero. I think in the first period. Came back and won the game four to three. I mean, just unbelievable. So they've got the mojo going. They got the momentum going. We'll see if Philadelphia can keep it going against Montreal tonight. They are at home. The Fire fans going absolutely berserk. Blackhawks, by the way, forget about coming home. The Hawks on the road, six consecutive wins in the playoffs. Six wins in a row. The Blackhawks playing much better on the road than they are at home. A very interesting, uh, Situation, and it's been true of some other Stanley Cup teams too. I think the overall record still more wins for the road team than the home team. So, so much for uh, playing so well in the regular season to her to earn home field advantage. Here's another little uh, side story I saw. Well, first of all, the NBA draft lottery is today. I love the NBA draft. The draft lottery, eh, to me, it's not quite as exciting as picking the post position for the Kentucky Derby. I mean, now that's excitement. But the NBA draft lottery, we'll find out where everybody is uh, being selected. As our website uh, kitted around today, the new billion, Russian billionaire who bought the New Jersey Nets. Apparently this guy is, uh, A, he's got a ton of money. I mean, a ton of money. He makes Mark Cuban look like a pauper. And this guy is very effervescent, very outgoing. He's going to be, uh, I think we're all going to learn to hate this guy before it's over. Likes the limelight a little bit too much, but... There is a rumor out there that he actually bought, not only bought the New Jersey Nets, he bought the whole lottery. Got all the ping pong balls. New Jersey Nets might get the first, uh, what is the lottery, top seven team or bottom seven teams, get the top seven picks. Yeah, so they're doing the picking today. But then I read a corresponding thing with the NFL draft, and it had to do with our Chicago team, and that is the Bears had uh, signed a new head of scouting. There's probably a more professional term for it. Guy's name is Tim, is it Ruskow? Tim Ruskell, R-U-S-K-E-L-L. And that was about a week ago, and in the paper today, a little story in the Chicago papers, how the Bears have retained seven of their scouting staff. And they had the duties of each game. Now, one guy's in charge of the West Coast, one guy's got college, one guy's got, you know, the East Coast, one guy's got Europe, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Seven different full-time guys whose full-time job is to scout football players. And then you got two guys above them who basically supervise them. And I would imagine even below these seven guys are some either lower paid or volunteer guys who do some scouting on their own. So here's the the weird thought I had for you, David Olson. I know you're a longtime NFL draft guy. And I'll throw it out to our listeners too. 888-463-6748. With all that, again, full-time seven Plus two, nine. Nine grown men getting paid anywhere from 50000 to a couple hundred thousand. Full-time job. 
to scout players. And we all know they, they get some hits and they get some misses, right? How much worse would the Bears or any NFL team do if they just watched Mel Kuyper's picks or just took a look at the top pick and just picked a guy out? Obviously, position needs would be factored in. But I guess the, uh, what I'm pointing out is do we really need all you know, nine people spending an entire year scouting out players, and how much more successful are they than if I just took a look at the top 40 players at each position? And when it came to my time to pick in the draft, you know, I'll pick this guy. I'll pick that guy. I'll, I'll just go by the ratings, and I'm going to save myself a million bucks. My instincts say there might be a difference, but quite frankly, I think you'd have almost as many hits, almost as many misses. Right? I know it's a it's a weird, it's a ridiculous thought, but well, I think yeah, I, I, yeah. As far as far as the first round goes, sure, sure, you, you you're probably right. But yeah. where the scouts come into and everything like that is when you get down to the fifth round, sixth round. That's where your scouts come in. But you're right, you're right. That's what separates the great picks from the not so great picks. Not so much the marquee first round picks. So I agree with you there, but. The draft analysis thing has gotten so sophisticated in the last five, ten years with the emphasis in it, the media, and also the computers and all that, that you, I would argue you could go down to the fourth, fifth, and sixth picks and still point a finger at a guy, pick him, take a chance on the guy, and how much worse could you do than your high-paid staff who's watched him all year long? Just a thought. Yeah, that's a valid thought. <laughs> It is a valid thought, but I wouldn't use Mel Kuyper as, as an example because I, <laughs> he's kind of taken a nosedive the last several years. Yeah, I like I, I like Mel Kuyper sort of the way I like a Chet Kopper, local Chicago sportscaster. I like the shtick, you know, and, and beyond the shtick, and I'll say this about Mel Kuyper, his enthusiasm and love of the game, you got to love that too. Now, I'm not going to say he's the greatest sports analyst. I think he knows what he's talking about, but but I love the shtick. All right, so that was just a weird thought. Weird thought. Save some money and just pick out a guy from a hat from where they should be selected. And my guess is you're going to have as many hits and as many misses, even in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round. You'll hit some, you'll miss some. Just like the nine full-time adults who scout these guys full-time and spend their entire life doing it, they're going to hit some and they're going to miss some. All right, 888-463-6748. Real quick, yesterday in baseball, we talked about the Sox getting rained out. Cubs with a big win, 4-2. to two. Uh, Quickly in the American League, Yankees had a thriller, at least for them. Total depression game for Boston, Red Sox and Yankees. Great rivalry. Red Sox are up 9-7. to seven. Yankees get four in the ninth. Alex Rodriguez, two-run homer to tie it up. Marcus Thames, two-run blast to win it. Walk-off homer for the Yankees. I also read, pretty impressive, by the way, Jonathan Papelbaum, the closer for the Red Sox, who obviously had a horror show of a game last night. That's his first ever, if I read it correct, his first ever walk-off homer given up. That's pretty good. Because he's been the closer for the Red Sox, I'm going to guess, four years now. Been in a lot of one-run, two-run pressure situations. First Walk-off homer he's ever given up. That's uh, pretty impressive for the uh, animated Jonathan Papelbaum, but not so good yesterday. Uh, Minnesota, the Twins knocked off Texas 8-3. to Justin Morneau, a couple of home runs. Twins are still in first place. Uh, Kansas City, we talked to Mark Carmen. They beat Boston or beat Baltimore 4-3. to We had Tampa Bay beating Cleveland 4-3 to also. A bunt. A bunt to bring in the winning RBI. How about that? Not a squeeze, not a suicide, but a squeeze bunt. Jason Bartlett 
Eleventh inning, you talk about Tampa Bay, everything falling their way this year. It is indeed. They got the best record in baseball. Eleventh inning, and they bunt in the winning run to knock off Cleveland. Philadelphia red hot beat Pittsburgh 12 to 2. Ryan Howard discovering his stroke once again, started off a little bit slow. Grand slam, six RBIs for Ryan Howard last night. Cincinnati, second hottest team in baseball. They beat Milwaukee six to three yesterday. Five runs in the seventh. Dusty Baker and company have won eight out of nine. Johnny Gomez got the three-run homer for him. Who's the hottest team in baseball? Thank you for asking. The L.A. Dodgers. Joe Torre's got the turnaround going. They beat Houston 6-2. to Eight wins in a row. The Dodgers are now within a game and a half of San Diego and San Francisco. All right, we got to wrap it up. We can't go an extra hour, Dave? He's shaking his head no. We need a second hour in this program. Somebody talk to our general manager, Chris Whitting. Uh, but until then, we got to sign off. Good luck, Blackhawks, tonight. We'll do it again tomorrow. Big Dog back in the house. Thanks to Mark Carmen, our guest checking in from Kansas City. David Olson, our producer, doing a great job. Have a great day, everybody. 10 o'clock tomorrow. We're on Central Time. Don't be late.